Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Good morning. Today we will talk about Christmas with a possible focus on incarnation. And uh, what is the incarnation? <laughs> bam! <laughs> Might be Christmas in July. Yes, this episode may be out in July, so we're celebrating Christmas in May or July. <laughs> but it's snow on the ground. There's carol singers right now outside of the church. <laughs> Got a warm, hot cup of cocoa. <laughs> yep, we can see the snow through the window of Father Everett's office. It's a beautiful scene, straight out of the English countryside. <laughs> so, Tom, what is incarnation? Or what is the incarnation? Well, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, uh, Philippians 2, he became nothing, so he became a little baby. Um, entrusted himself to a teenage girl, poor family, assuming didn't know anything. Did, 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 did he ride in with Santa, or was that, I forget, I, when they were on the road to Bethlehem, I forget where Santa. <laughs> it's a different topic. Oh, sorry. It's under the fake news category. <laughs> Awesome. I'm sorry. Also, Please old news proceed. when this comes out in July, because I'm sure that problem will be totally taken care oh, of. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it will. By the time they hear this podcast. So, someone's going to blow up social media forever? Is that kind of what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm our sorry. New, I feel like I. Our new alien overlords have taken care of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> All hell, Zenuk. <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Please proceed. <laughs> That's great. Um, so I think a big question is a lot of churches, the more conservative churches, emphasize the divinity of Jesus and exclude the humanity. And then you get to a more progressive churches and they only talk about Jesus' humanity, like this is Gandhi, just can heal people, but just a human, you know. And we make a mistake if we ignore either the divinity or the humanity. We're missing something that the creed is the ancient Christian church wrestled with and wrestled with because it was there. So, And in the incarnation, we see both of those things, especially with God becoming a human baby. This wasn't like an omnipotent baby or a baby that could float or shoot laser beams. I mean, this was a baby. But baby Jesus couldn't shoot laser beams? No. <laughs> well, maybe. Fucking laser beams. I don't have a quarter What on is the, the truth. use of being fully God if you can't shoot laser beams? <laughs> I read, uh, I read that he always had the God button. Yeah. But he never chose to use it. So. There was a, there was a, it's <clears> a, a I mean, it's not in our canon of scripture, but the Gospel of Thomas. Mm, yeah. There's a story of Jesus as an infant, and he gets like mad at one of his playmates mm -hmm. and kills him. Uh, but 
since he was fully God, he could bring the kid back to life. Right. So how does that taught him a lesson? We shouldn't go rabbit hole (laughs) in this, but that's where I was like, okay, so wait, he never sinned? So (laughs) getting mad and killing someone isn't sin? Uh, A a clergy colleague uh, described Christmas as uh, sort of the feast of, of the creed. Tom was talking about that the creed embodies this idea that God, that Jesus was fully God, fully human, and really, I think you know, at Christmas we're celebrating that that belief. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's easy to miss if we if we um, hopefully in the wonder at at the scene. We don't lose the point, which is God became flesh and dwelt among us. God made him, God's self, himself, nothing, and because Jesus was a man. But um, I think that the sentimentality of Christmas, which I love, a lot of it is more tradition than mm. than fact. But I, I, I'm all about it as long as we don't forget Right, we have this sanitized sort of Christmas story. I mean, like you see pictures of, you know, the Holy Family right after the birth. And there's this beautiful light shining upon Mary. And and she looks so peaceful and calm. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) I I don't know that any any person's been through the birth of a child and, you know, looks looks like that. I mean, especially in that day and age, it would have been particularly exhausting. Um you know, tradition holds that she was, a, like you said, a young teenage girl, um, 13, 14 years old. And all the awesome stuff is happening where she can't see it. Yeah. Like angels show up for the shepherds. The star. She got her angel. <laughs> well, Let's not play this not like when she it, didn't get her angel. Not when it really mattered. <laughs> not when she was in pain and screaming. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, not when she, after she had walked... From, I mean, according to the Gospels, walked across a mountain through the wilderness, you know, through dangerous country. She wasn't riding a donkey. I mean, would that have been more comfortable had she been if you're nine months pregnant? I mean, <laughs> right. have anyone ridden a donkey over a mountain? Has I, anyone listening or talking rode a donkey? I'm sure before? somebody somewhere has, but have you? I have not. <laughs> I've ridden a horse, and a horse would not be comfortable that long no. for that long of a journey so i can't imagine a donkey so okay so the um so i i've i have this odd uh fascination with actually doing a let's say little literal replication of what the uh nativity story is in a christmas pageant to yeah. wear and someone said they i don't know if they did this or they wanted to do this but you'd spread you know like donkey poop everywhere <laughs> we talked about this and you uh, have everybody come in and they're sitting around and it smells like a manger uh <clears throat> excuse me a barn like a barn you know and there's there's donkeys and everything and it's like in the shepherds who you know were the lowliest of the low um is my understanding you know they're coming in and they're you you when a shepherd came into village you smelled uh you smelled them you smelled them Right, and that's how you knew a shepherd was near, um, and so they were kind of in which in the David story he was young, 
right? He was a young boy. So it, my, my understanding kind of mixing those two together is like the young people went out and were shepherding the sheep, but as well as the criminals and stuff like that. So these are not great guys coming to the birth of Jesus. And, uh, but It'd be like it, if you had three carnies running into your labor and delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a baby! <laughs> Small hands. Thank like you cabbage. for letting us be here for your precious moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? That's disgusting. <laughs> the afterbirth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really good. Hey, we could we could spin that. Do you think they no, we do don't that? We don't need to. <laughs> There's a lot. Of well, stuff. I mean, and, and so going off on trying to like even have like what does the nativity scene look like? Right. Is you know Matthew and Luke give us two different accounts of what the birth you know story happened. Luke has shepherds. Matthew doesn't. Matthew has wise men. Luke doesn't have wise men. Um, and what we've done, what we tend to do, is sort of amalgamate the stories. Right into one vision and it's not bad i mean that's not it's not wrong to do that um but a lot of what we envision is there in our minds i mean there's nothing that says that animals were were present right but every nativity scene i've seen has you know an ox or a donkey or sheep something that's there but there's nothing in the scriptures that tells us that there were actually animals present hmm. you don't mean the wise men didn't lead their camel right up to the, the side of the baby <laughs> And they delivered their gifts. That kind of disappoints parking. And imagine them showing up. What is, what's Mary and Joseph? I mean, what, does Joseph go on the defensive? You know, these are what? I mean, where are they from? Do we have any? Persia. Persia. They're showing up. Persian princes showing up with camels to your little bitty barn with your baby in a manger, which it's just, it's like, What? Well, here's the biggest side that we could talk about, maybe a different episode, but <laughs> why did, in the early church, Epiphany was a bigger deal than Christmas, and it's a celebration of three Zoroastrian, we assume, wise men coming to a Jewish baby, you know, non-Jews. I get why it was a big deal, because the church is mostly Gentile, and here you have pre the cross, pre the resurrection, you right. have right. Gentiles at the side of, you know, the incarnate son of God. The Messiah. Yeah. Not <clears throat> um although monotheistic Gentiles, if I understand, Zoroastrianism. Um anyway, it's just an interesting um So it's really this it's really this idea in the Epiphany of the world coming to Christ, recognizing who Christ is. Right. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, in, I mean, as as I understand the tradition, um, Christmas was sort of a later development, and really the focus was upon the, the celebration of the world coming to Christ in the Epiphany. Right. And that's and there are some cultures to this day where the primary gift giving is done on Epiphany, not on Christmas. Right. And so. My understanding is, is, uh, you know what? I'm going to say Northern Africa because I don't know where that, where what specific name it was, but they still celebrate Christmas on January 6th. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the Orthodox, the Coptic churches. Is that, okay, is that what it, is that what I was trying to think of? Okay. And uh, 
So I, I went, think somebody can Google that. Well, um, later. No, no, no. I, I, I did. <laughs> I promise. I don't know who it was specifically, but oh. they. If it's correct now, we'll have our alien overlords change it on Wikipedia by <laughs> by the time you hear this podcast. <laughs> Um, yes, which goes down into a very big, deep rabbit hole of why December 25th, um, which I don't know if we would even want to go there. Um, but the, um, something, there was a, there was, there was a great article, um, that maybe we can put in the show notes about, um, about why December the 25th. And, um, as I like early Christians dismiss the idea of celebrating people's births, that that was something that pagans did. That's not something that Christians did, that we tend to memorialize people um, on the day of their death. So if you look at the at the saints, when they are, uh, when they are remembered, it's not their birthday, but generally their, their anniversary of their death. Um, and this, the dean of the, of Berkeley at Yale wrote this article in which he, he says that the, the reason December 25th was selected was that it was tied to the conception of Jesus um, in that there was a tradition that Jesus died on a certain date and that Jesus's conception date and Jesus's date of death were the same. And, you know, there's no way of knowing whether that's true or not, but from a theological and narrative point, it tells the story that, that from, the, from the beginning, that Jesus's destiny was, you know, was to die, um, and so that's why there was this tradition in the early church that Jesus's conception date and of March twenty fifth, yeah. Which, if you tag nine Move months over, nine months, you get to December twenty fifth, yeah. right? Yeah. And the same thing for I, I think the January sixth date comes from the same kind of thing. It's like they're just moving that around a little bit, and. Moving it into April goes to January 6th or something like that. So the calculation is done on that, um, which many things you read, <clears throat> excuse me, come up with uh, um, Roman, the, uh, I don't know how you say this, but the Saturnalia um, festival and uh, was happening, which pagan festival in Rome at the time uh, regarding the date of December 25th and then the uh, solstice. And so people tend to tag the Christians of the time, um, I heard two things. One is, is a negative thing that they moved it to December 25th, and it's like, oh, they're, they're trying to take over the pagan holidays, right? right? But in, in reality, to the Christians, um, which I think of, uh, well, sorry, uh, which they celebrated at that time so they didn't get in trouble for celebrating the birth of Christ while this other festival's going on. They can eat, drink, and be merry, Everyone's partying and no one notices. Hey, wait a second. What are you doing? You're a Christian. You don't celebrate. So they did it out of hiding it, <laughs> which is interesting. And then later when Constantine came in, um, you know, it got a lot. It really took over. That's my understanding. Uh, <laughs> they all saw me suck. Uh, <laughs> here's another interesting question. <laughs> I've been reading a lot this week about the genealogy of Mary, because this week is Advent 4, and Joseph is, it's his fo focusing on Joseph in the Matthew story, but Luke focuses on Mary, but 
Luke. I'd always heard Mary, tribe of David, my whole life. And then I read the genealogy in Luke or Matthew. Both are the genealogy of Joseph. Which, according to Christmas, wasn't the biological father of Jesus. So, um, in the Jewish system, adoption counted, you know, as mm. much as as blood. I it mean, became bloodline yeah, when but, you adopted. Yeah, that's my understanding anyway. Hmm. Um, but, long story short, there's a few references in Paul where he mentions Mary, and he mentions her being of the tribe of Jesse, or David. And maybe one of them's not Paul, but it's Hebrews, who we, we don't know who wrote that. But anyway, and so I'm just going around with a friend Everett was there also. We're like, how's this? And then it hit me later when I was driving home. Wait a minute. Paul, <laughs> what if Paul asked Mary? I don't know. I just hate it when we're so like critical of the <laughs> tradition. <laughs> like that we, we don't know. We're writing all this garbage. I mean, but Paul is writing by 55 AD. He's writing. Um, he just goes over and knocks on Like, Mary of, was probably still alive. Can we know a cup of flour and, she, oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, she's mentioned. I'm sure people knew her. I'm sure they asked. You know, oh, by the way, which tribe are you, Mary? I mean, why do we, we discount things like that? Well, they couldn't have asked. It was a small community at that time. Hmm. So, why not? Anyway, sorry. That was my little soapbox that I only shared to myself. It was a sermon I preached in my car to myself. That's good. That's good. I like that. Um, so let's <clears throat> let's uh, talk about the Gentiles around at the time, um, and this will move into Paul too. But uh, something I always think about is moving to a uh, deity level idea of God or, or Jesus and stuff like that. It's like the idea. Um, what do you do with those around you, the Greeks? Let's say when your God became human, humbled himself, which could look like an act of what? Um, I mean, yes, humility, um, but it's also, a, uh, well, my God's more powerful because he's, <laughs> he what? You know, your God never came down to earth and became incarnate, you know, and things like that. I think in those times, it. Um, I don't know how they would have perceived that, you know. Well, I think, that, you know, uh, Bart Ehrman, and and for those who know Aramin, he's not. I mean, he's not a Christian. He's a he's a biblical scholar, but he he would not count himself as part of the Christian tribe. And Aramin says that there's this you know common story that goes around that that the uh, you know Luke and Matthew are basically trying to co-opt um, Roman God stories. And there's lots of stories about mm. you know Roman gods who are who are human and, and divine. And he says that the thing is, is that there's not um, any stories about a God who becomes human. Right. There's lots of stories about humans who become gods. Um, but, the, but the idea that you would celebrate a God who became human was almost sort of blasphemous um, in understanding the divine. And so it's, I mean, it's a radical um, understanding of, of who God is. And, 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 we, and, and we miss that. Right. Right. I think it, I think we don't talk about that a lot about the idea of what was going on then because we have become as a hmm, a lot of society um, worldwide has become monotheistic um, 
we don't necessarily focus on that to where back then it was multiple gods for, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, every situation had its own god, and you're going to that. And then, um, but if, then talking about <clears throat> how uh, God became human through the incarnation, being such a a subversive act or just a uh, odd act for a god but then you look down it's like okay well jesus rode into jerusalem on a donkey you know it's just it lines up with the you know going against the stream of a messiah or a god of everything the world knew and the other thing that we tend to do especially maybe or i did growing up like jesus was superman basically right Right. And that's the old Greek idea of the demigod, like Hercules, Thor. You've got this kind of half-human, half-man um, god thing that's super powerful. And that's the god we get in the Gospel of Thomas. But that's not the image of Jesus. I mean, we have to, hmm. we have to constantly check that in our minds because we've let Greek religion, Roman, I mean, ancient world paganism influence how we understand the gospel. And it says he made himself nothing. I mean, he was 100%, I mean, in a way that we can't define, he was somehow fully God and fully man, but he was not And royalty does not humble themselves. Right. I mean, it's unseemly. Right. Yeah. Um, and 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 it, it. I mean, it is it is truly um, a countercultural uh, story about who God is, what God does. Um, and I think sometimes we just breeze, you know, right past it. And some of the sentimentality of the Christmas image, we really pretty pretty that image up. Helps causes us to miss it, you know. Right. Right, which is the extreme of throwing poop all around the nave and having a right. Christmas pageant. <laughs> yeah, see how that works out. Yeah, well, it's and it's, but it's, but, it, and, and for me, you know, I'm of course I will go the extreme until someone pulls me back on things like that. But but I promise you, my heart's in the right spot. <laughs> Meaning, I think that is something that we should challenge. We should turn over a little bit. It's become something to where. Um, you're, you're the, the, because I've put this, uh, <laughs> I'm going to alienate some people here because I put this, um, nativity scene up, I'll just say that, then that's my faith. That is me acting out God and what Jesus becoming incarnate represents to me. <laughs> now, just because I've put that out there, I don't have to do anything else. I'm going to walk away from it. You know what? And I have my own nativity-like things that I do. Um, I put this out there. That's fine. I'm good. I've checked that off my list. I'm out. But it's more than that. Um, and uh, for the what could be second week in the row, I'm going to throw Alexander Shia's name out. Um, he had a talk on a podcast about the Christmas story and what his idea was was about the incarnation is that we are all Mary. And we are all pregnant with Christ. And that we are to give birth to Christ in the world. And that 
in itself is it seems just I, I love the idea of that I love that we are all carrying Christ within us because um, I don't know is, can I say that we all are we all <laughs> we're all becoming Jesus incarnate in the world through the Spirit something to that effect. Um, well, there's the idea of um, what is it? <laughs> Bec- we walk in the light as he is in the light or uh second peter um theosis we become like god it's an orthodox idea of um that god perfects us as we walk in the light as we move closer live in the christian virtues but that's would be hard for some protestant ears to hear if we started or even maybe some catholic ears if we started talking about that and it's a long topic well and and i mean that's the whole question about sanctification Mm -hmm. and 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 theosis is you know this idea of of god constantly working within you um and and i think it'd be probably more problematic for protestants who tend to say there's this decision point Mm -hmm. and you're in and you're in right you know and that's that's the whole point um, but there is this um, ancient strand of the Christian tradition of that that God is continually working within us, changing us and making us more and more God-like. Uh, not that we become God, um, but that we become, um, you know, more more Christ-like, more God-like. Right. Um, one of our deacons, uh, Jim, said that um, in one of his sermons, "You are what you eat," and when you are at the Eucharist, taking communion, you are eating, you know, Jesus' body, and you are what you eat, then you are becoming Jesus. Um, another thing I heard that I enjoyed was um, God took a little bit of himself and hit him, hit himself inside of us, and every once in a while we're able to bring that up and catch a glimpse of it and offer that to the world. Um, Sounds like more like God's Horcrux. <laughs> Is it Horcrux? Anyway, from uh, Harry Potter. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Is that the way the word? Um, <laughs> someone I said. I put a little, someone I said. I load myself into Tom so that, I can live forever. <laughs> someone said. A certain um, president-elect hit himself in certain horcruxes or something like that. I don't remember if you remember that story or not. All right. Segwaying out of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was that our ending? I don't know. <laughs> um. So, what? So, what's the point? What? What? What's the incarnation mean to us? And, and kind of wrapping it up here. Um, I thought I thought Tom's sort of description of the incarnation is the uh, proclamation that we believe that Jesus was fully human and fully divine, um, and 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 there's not a. Uh, a competition, a competition, or a, or between those two things, um, that we can actually live in harmony in that. Um, but that, but that, you know, that's essentially what Christmas is about: is is that God became human, which is, as we've talked about, just a radical notion of of, of the divine. And I think we see Mary in Mary and Joseph. Mary is kind of the first Christian because Jesus is in her, growing in her, becoming more, um, she's becoming more and more aware of him every day, his presence inside of her. So I think, and the way that she and Joseph both received 
the message or received the the job or the calling you know mary said let it be to me as you have said joseph it just says woke up and did as the angel had told him and so both required them to set aside fear and i think that for us that's the incarnation requires us to set aside the fear that somehow giving ourselves over to jesus means that we're going to lose ourself mm. you know the devil i mean it's a lie of the devil to say that um we become less and less ourselves and that sin is like who we are those are our unique parts but the truth is the christian message was originally that we become more ourselves as we let christ grow inside of us so right and i think it falls in line with um all of us being pregnant with christ and if we can continue to give birth into the world then um I think that brings it back, brings kingdom, right? That's that kingdom come that we pray for, uh, that we pray every Sunday and, and possibly more often than that. So, Okay, and since it is Christmas in July or May or April, whenever it is, <laughs> we're going to talk about what's your favorite Christmas movie to wrap up. So, mm. Everett, mm. please. Mmm. Mmm. Um, you know, my, 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 my favorite Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. Uh, Chevy Chase is sort of this mid-level guy who just really wants to do good for his family. Uh, the struggle for the perfect house, the, the perfect gift, the perfect dinner, the perfect family. Perfect lights. You know, everything falls apart <clears throat> around him. And in the midst of, 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 of his literal hell he suddenly discovers what Christmas is all about. And I think there's something uh, uh, both wonderful and theological to be drawn from that. And it's just really funny. Movie. I was say, I didn't know we were going to go so deep. Man, i got to change mine. Tom, you're next. <laughs> uh, well, it's a close contest between It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Story, but I have to go with A Christmas Story because... Mm. I just really see my childhood in that. I I am not that old, you know. I didn't grow up in the 50s, but um, I did have older parents. I don't know. I just see my brothers, and I see my childhood. I even remember when I was little, my brother really wanting a BB gun for Christmas. and So, anyway. Don't shoot your eye out. Yeah, it's such a good movie. That is a great movie. I need to rewatch that. It may, it may have been... Decades since I there was a great Vanity Vanity Fair article um, just about that movie. Is that what you posted? <clears throat> yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And you know the house is still still there, and it's a museum. It's now. A museum, you really? Is it? Yeah. And they That's auction funny. off. You can go spend the night there at Christmas time. Like they auction off. <clears throat> the <laughs> You're kidding? Yeah. From the movie? Yeah. That's really funny. Um, I would um, I would say I probably would have put <clears throat> Christmas Vacation above you know like the pinnacle for all of us kind of thing but um for for my family it's elf elf it just i mean i can watch it over just like christmas vacation over and over and over and when he eats those cotton balls <laughs> and then he says my finger has a heartbeat we just lose it 
And um, I think the best part is when he jugs that two liter of <laughs> two minute long burp. Well, and then and then what I see from that is my kids take away from it is uh, when uh, what it, the best way to spread Christmas tre- cheers to sing loud for all to hear. Yeah. And of course they'll just start wailing loud, and I love that. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, B. Peace Tom out. just sent us off with a little sign there. So, all right. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at, at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.